It's like Jerry Springer down there now, man. That's so crazy. Are you serious? I don't even know how to explain how much weirder this is. <laughs> well, I guess we're going to have an hour of our lives to try. All right, everyone, warm up those brains. It's time once again for the Get More Smarter podcast. This one might blow up your brain. This is episode 179. I'm Jason Bain. I'm Ian Silveri. This week on the Get More Smarter podcast, there was so much news between the last time we recorded and right now that we had to throw out a whole episode and start over. First, the cluster buck in Colorado's 4th Congressional District gets more clusterer as Colorado House Minority Leader cops to a DUI and one of his caucus members slash leading opponents for the nomination admits to paying for an abortion for his college girlfriend during a speech he made opposing the recognition of Roe versus Wade. That's a real <laughs> sentence. All of that is true. <laughs> then, our 8th favorite member of Congress from Colorado, who is soon to be our first favorite former member of Congress from Colorado lays low as she finishes unpacking after moving into what she hopes is her new district, but it won't be really. And last, we've said it before and we'll say it again. And now the numbers prove it out. Donald J. Trump will be the Republican nominee for president of the United States. We're assuming. We're recording this on Tuesday morning, but it is there is no doubt in my mind that Nikki Haley will lose the election in New Hampshire tonight. We really did have to redo this episode because things got so weird in the last couple of days in the cluster buck that is just maybe the biggest shit show I can recall in a congressional primary race. Here's how you know it's a huge shit show. Lauren Boebert is running in this primary and we haven't heard shit from her for like two weeks. (laughs) Right. She's like so far down the list of confusing and confounding people right now in this race when the sideshow is so wild that you don't even need to include whatever the hell lauren bobert is doing you know you're in a very really very strange situation so remember this is the seat congressional district four being vacated by the retirement of congressman ken buck this is the most beat red congressional district in colorado It's an R plus 21, I think, is the redistricting math. It includes the Eastern Plains and then juts into some more populated areas such as Greeley to the north and Douglas County to the south. The first candidate forum in CD4 is going to be on Thursday, and I am really excited for this. Yeah, Don't go anywhere near Weld County if you don't want to be part of like the radiation blast from whatever the hell is going to happen. At <laughs> we'll this. have all that audio next week, though. It's going to be totally. Yeah, these guys are streaming it. I'm I'm somewhat excited for it, but this will be the first time that this particular group of Neanderthals have taken the stage all at the same time, and it is going to be a shit show. And you know that because as we record, one of the candidates, House Minority Leader Mike Lynch, is being deposed from his position as Minority Leader by another one of the candidates, Richard Holdorf, who also set himself on fire last week. Hey, this is Jason. I've got to break in here for a minute. 
not long after we recorded this episode, Mike Lynch changed his mind and resigned as House Minority Leader, blaming State Party Chair Dave Williams for interfering in the business of the House Minority Caucus. Hopefully this will be the only update. There might be more. This is a mess. Yeah, they're both in trouble for different reasons, but they're compounding their troubles with the same problem. Neither man understands the first rule of holes, which is stop digging. Stop digging. These guys are under the impression that if you keep digging, you will eventually get to the other side of the planet where you will once again be able to breathe free. Uh, Yeah, and then you can run for Congress in China, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I don't think they have Congress. The odds of them winning a congressional seat in China are probably about the same now. Yeah, that's fair enough. So it came out last week that Mike Lynch, we're going to start with him, the House Minority Leader, was arrested in September 2022 for a DUI and for possessing a firearm while intoxicated. This is much more than your average DUI. I mean, like... Outside of like wrecking your car and hurting yourself or someone else, this is about as bad as a DUI stop can get. Lynch was charged with driving while under the influence, later pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of driving while ability impaired, was also sentenced to 18 months of probation and a deferred sentence for a weapons charge because he was carrying a handgun which you're not supposed to do. Well, he wasn't just carrying it, Jason. He was, according to the police report, manipulating <laughs> Manipulating it. it. That's right. There are so many things here that we need to break out. Lynch was pulled over driving from Fort Collins to his home in Wellington on I-25 in late September 2022. Apparently, a state trooper, this is all according to a police report, paced Lynch driving 90 miles an hour on the highway, Lynch drove for a while alongside the trooper and then took off. Mother of God. It's so good. It's so good. Don't race a cop, man. When you're about to blow two times the legal limit, which is what happened next. Sorry to spoil the story. Don't race a cop ever. Don't do that. But especially <laughs> when you don't, are two times do the that. legal limit. Lynch was eventually pulled over. And then the state trooper saw that he had a pocket knife and asked him to secure the knife. Lynch then said he had a gun in his pocket and reached for it. Well, if you like this knife, where will you see my other friend? <laughs> right. According to the police report, Lynch told the trooper that the handgun was not a big deal. The trooper replied that it actually was a big deal because pulling a gun out of your pocket when in contact with police was a way that people get shot by police. (laughs) Then Lynch goes on to tell the trooper that he should call a state patrol captain who was basically the lobbyist for the state patrol at the Capitol. The trooper says, I don't know who this is. Ask Lynch some more questions. And Lynch realizes that he's trying, he doesn't sound good about trying to get out of this by being a legislator. So he kind of shuts up and says he he didn't want to bring up his position any further that although that ship sailed at that point. I mean, the guy ran his plates like he knows who this guy is. This is not 
a mystery. And it's also hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube of, I know the legislative liaison for your organization. Right. God. Why are you telling me this? Uh, 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 Apropos of nothing, I just thought you'd like to know that I knew this guy. He's my buddy. (laughs) And in in no way, shape, or form am I attempting to uh, change the situation I'm currently in right now with you, a police officer who's pulled me over. The House Minority Leader also apparently has no idea what the law is here. He had a blood alcohol content of about 0.165, which, unless you're like a bear or a moose, is pretty close to killing you. (laughs) That's a lot of alcohol. That means you're like one-fifth alcohol at that point. Yeah, you're wasted. The legal limit in Colorado is 0.08. So 0.165 is more than twice that. Lynch thought it was 0.2, apparently, which is... Which would definitely kill you. Yes. And he was close to that. That's like fraternity hazing levels of blood alcohol content. Yeah, that would be hard to do. Like You have have to like set out to get pissed drunk. You can't do that on accident. This is from the Pinelands Recovery Center of Medford, the impact of blood alcohol levels, okay? So 0.2 to 0.29, here's the description of what happens to a human being. You'll feel dazed, confused, and disoriented. Balance and muscle control have deteriorated, and you may need help walking. You may not notice if you injure yourself as feelings of pain are numbed. Nausea and vomiting are likely, and an impaired gag reflex could cause you to choke on your own vomit. Blackouts occur at this blood alcohol level. This is what Lynch thought the legal limit was. (laughs) Does it say you may be pulling a gun on a police officer at 0.16? They left that detail out, but (laughs) 0.16 to 0.19, here's what the Pinelands Recovery Center of Medford says. The term sloppy drunk applies. Dysphoria will become stronger and nausea may occur. Walking becomes difficult and you may fall and hurt yourself. Or you may try and race a cop and then pull a gun out (laughs) on him when he pulls you over. So Marshall Zellinger of Nine News sat down with Lynch after this news came out. The interview was not very good for the House Minority Leader. Take a listen. Do you remember being told not to reach for weapons? They saw a pocket knife and then you admitted having a gun. You were told not to do to reach for the weapons and then you reached for your gun. I'm not certain that that's the order that went in. I think it was a, oh, crap, I forgot. I've got a gun in my pocket, and so I was trying to be proactive with the officer. Here is what the Colorado State Patrol trooper wrote in the DUI report. I feared for my safety as Mr. Lynch manipulated a firearm after I had clearly told him not to touch the knife in his other pocket. He told me he had a little 380 and said, it's not a big deal. I informed him that pulling a gun out of our pocket when in contact with the police was in fact a big deal and people get shot that way. Did you hope it would be kept secret? Um, you know, I, I was realistic that, you know, this would come out someday and and I would face it like I'm doing right now. And that's what leaders do. They, you know, make mistakes, pick themselves up, become better for it and, and move on. You got pulled over for DUI and you had a gun on you. Didn't you expect that to make the news? Uh, eventually, yeah. But not by your own accord? Correct. There's two ways you can do it. You can tell or you not tell. Um, I flipped the coin and ended up with the not tell option. Now I need to ask, what else are you not telling voters and the public that we may find out 
as you run for Congress. Yeah. Well, I, th I think this, uh, this search was in an effort to find all that, and I think this is the only thing you're going to find on me. I mean, I'm not, I don't think that. I know that as a, for a fact. So. Richard Holtorf, a House Republican who is also a candidate for Congressional District 4, he, he spoke out and said that he, he thought this was a surprise to everybody, including the caucus, that the information should have come out before, well, 18 months later. Well, yeah, this is September 2022, by the way. So this is like a long time ago for this guy to be covering this thing up and not coming clean to his caucus members. Holtorf said, quote, I think there's a lot of people that would have looked at that and said, hmm, if you get a DUI in the military, your career ends, you'll never get another promotion, and you'll be asked to leave when your period of service ends. If you use the same standard, it's not good, unquote. You do have to hand it to Holtorf. This is like comms on your opponent 101 kind of stuff. He's like clutching his bolo tie and like he's furrowing his brow and he's looking quite concerned. He's like, oh, gosh, I just think it's it's a terrible tragedy. This guy who happens to be a primary opponent of mine in the congressional race I'm running for. Oh, he's just it's just terrible stuff. And if you were in the military, you know, he'd uh, it would end his career there. I, I was in the military, <laughs> by the way, me, Richard Holtorf. He does make a good point, though, in that. And again, we'll get to more of this later, that Lynch ran for House Minority Leader two months after this. The Republicans who voted for him didn't know this had happened. So he does have a good point there. Right. Lynch has since been fumbling all over himself trying to explain. <laughs> Notably, he has not yet apologized because, you know, why would he? As of this recording, we're 1030-ish a.m. on Tuesday right now, morning. And as we speak, there seems to be another attempt to hold yet another vote of no confidence to remove him from the minority leader spot. So, like, we may be updating that story as we record because it is literally happening right now. But it's a caucus meeting and no one is there, even though I thought we had a very recent ruling on open meetings that people were allowed to be in these rooms. So now I'm a little confused. Here, here's the best part. You know who the whip is who's supposed to get people to that meeting? Tell me it's fucking Holtorf. It is Richard Holtorf. That's so good! <laughs> you can't make I didn't know that. That was a pure guess. I feel really good about myself. That's so good. It had to be him. Of course. <laughs> I mean, it, Why wouldn't it be? So, so Lynch went on the Dan Kaplan show recently to not apologize, but to explain that um, Jesus has forgiven him and that this has all been a hit job. So he's the victim, right? The guy who got loaded, jumped in a car, tried to race a cop, and then manipulated a firearm in front of him is the, is the real victim of the story here. That's right. He's the one who's being wronged. He's being wronged. He says he carries a gun with him, apparently even while driving drunk, because he works in Denver. Oh, on message... You got to give it to him. Smoldering crater of the city of Denver, still pumping it. Problem is he wasn't in Denver. <laughs> he was in Fort Collins. <laughs> he was in Fort Collins. <laughs> he was also arrested in September and he wasn't supposed to be working then. So No, the legislative session was not in. So kudos to Christy Powell, friend of the show, frequent guest, who noted uh, a 2022 Onion headline. That fits perfectly here. Conservative man proudly frightened of everything. 
<laughs> it really is perfect. Yeah, it's the guys with the big hats, the guns, and the Punisher logos on their vehicles that are really uh, the least courageous among us. So Republicans in the State House the next week called a vote of no confidence to remove Lynch from leadership, but not to ask him to resign, of course, just leadership. And this was Monday of this week, so yesterday as of That's this right. recording. Hilariously, because why would it have ended any other way? It was a 9-9 tie vote <laughs> because uh, Republican Stephanie Luck was out on maternity leave. It's so good. Every single place this story could get dumber, it does. It chooses to get dumber <laughs> it does, every yeah. time it can. So, of course, they have the no confidence vote, which should he should lose in a landslide simply for being a liar and withholding information and any object. But no, it has to not only fail, but it has to fail on a tie because one of the members is not present. Here's nine news again, explaining all of this and really just doing an excellent job of it. Republicans at the state capitol are not happy their leader hid his drunk driving and weapons arrest from them. Not mad enough to replace him for it, at least not yet. Minority leader Mike Lynch insists that talking about his arrest once it leaked out is leadership. Politics guy Marshall Zellinger reports on whether he will remain the GOP leader. Inside this hearing room, House Republicans met this morning to consider removing their leader, Mike Lynch. To keep the integrity of the Republican caucus, and our votes and our future votes, uh, then I'm calling for this vote of no confidence. That is the voice of Republican State Representative Scott Bottoms, who tried to oust Lynch as leader today, but lost when the vote split nine to nine. We put him into leadership with him knowing that this was going to come out. To me, that's the opposite of leadership. This time, sir, you are under arrest for driving under the influence of alcohol. In September 2022, Lynch was arrested for drunk driving and possessing a gun while drunk. Last week, I asked him if he hoped to keep it secret. I was realistic that, you know, this would come out someday and and I would face it like I'm doing right now. And that's what leaders do. We put him into leadership with him knowing that this was going to come out. To me, that's the opposite of leadership. You may know Bottoms from his other newsworthy moments. He's the far-right representative who said Jewish hostages held by Hamas need to turn to Jesus. He made a mockery of diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts during a gas stove debate. And I asked him, who would he rather be leader? Here's the 100% that I can give you. I do not want to be a minority leader myself. I have no desire for that. I will not accept a, a nomination for that at all. And if there is a new leader, it will not be because Lynch quits. He put out a statement defending his leadership and before the vote this morning told his caucus why he was not stepping aside. If I believed that this event, which occurred outside of this building, outside of this session, um, uh, had an impact and was detrimental to my ability to perform this job, I would gladly step aside. Uh, I don't believe it does, and I don't believe that it did. So we're just going to call for another caucus meeting tomorrow and make sure that everybody's available, and then we'll, we'll re-vote on this, and then it'll be done. There are 19 Republican members. One of them, Stephanie Luck, just had a baby. She's tried to participate remotely today, but it didn't work out. The thinking would be that if she voted, Lynch would have been ousted 10-9. But I'm hearing from the audio of the meeting and representatives that were there, there was confusion over whether or not a yes vote meant to oust or to keep. And we don't know how the members voted because it was a secret ballot, Kyle. And again, they are a super minority at the Capitol. So you've, 
you know, they've got this tiny caucus and they're fighting with each other about things. Um, but at the end of the day, it really does come down to just kind of like interpersonal honesty, right? Like it's not like a political issue. It's like, do people feel like the guy they put in charge pulled one over on them? That's the sentiment that I'm hearing. But as you say, whoever is the leader of this party, if it continues to be Lynch or somebody else in the grand scheme of legislation at the Capitol, that may not matter because the Democrats control everything. But in terms of your own party that you talk with every morning and who trusts you and who doesn't, that's kind of what this is coming down to, it seems. Yeah. And in some places you might say, who wants that job? And the answer is uh, the dude on the video getting popped for a Dewey. He really wants the job. And at least for today, he still has it. Marshall, thank you. And to top off this circus, apparently today, state party chairman Dave Williams showed up at the meeting. Why? I don't know. He was there as a lawmaker. Then he was strangely there as a legislative aide, except he was never actually there. He was just getting paid to be there when he wasn't there, working for a different member. And now he's showing up to what? Intimidate? Scowl? Put his thumb on the scale for the like. What what are you doing? Shad Murrub doesn't like friend of the show. Run around the state capitol like glowering at lawmakers. Like that's not your job. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what. There's no reason to be there. It's inappropriate. Yeah. He runs an electoral operation. He's it's inappropriate at best. Inappropriate for the guy who is running for his own congressional seat while serving as state party chair and using state party. Ch- resources to promote his candidacy. That brings us to Richard Holtorf, who lit himself on fire last week, then poured gasoline over his head and then did it again. And then started just like lighting firecrackers. (laughs) Democrats had offered up a resolution in the legislature to commemorate the anniversary of Roe versus Wade, which of course was overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court in June 2022. House Republicans initially responded by standing together on the House floor while Representative Brandy Bradley read a statement about Republicans loving life and Democrats eating babies or, you know, whatever the standard thing is, they say. Then Richard Holtorf decided he needed to make his own speech. It was unexpected and inexplicable. Take a listen. This is a very difficult conversation. But I am a pro-life legislator and I believe in life. I also believe in women's rights. I have five daughters. So it's extremely complex. So let's talk about the next part of this little story. When I was in college, I had a girlfriend and she was a beautiful young woman. And we had the unfortunate experience of her getting pregnant. I'm a Catholic, so you know my position on life. But I had to respect her rights because she said she didn't want to keep her baby. Now that's hard. That's hard for a man who respects women. But I respected her rights and actually gave her money to help her through her important critical time so she could live her best life, which she decided was not with me in a future with me. So this is the same guy 
who has long been a staunch anti-abortion Republican. Just last year, he called abortion rights supporters, quote, godless heathens, unquote. He also, in 2020, sponsored a failed measure to implement a 22-week abortion ban in Colorado. Here he is on the House floor saying his college girlfriend had an abortion and he gave her money, quote, to help her through her important critical time so she could live her best life, unquote. And to be clear, I think that's great. I don't see anything wrong with that at all. But I'm not a Republican primary voter in the 4th Congressional District. (laughs) Right. Holdorf apparently realized this later that day. (laughs) Like, Like later, way later, he makes this whole speech on the floor of the House, which he's doing on purpose because he's running for Congress, and this is the platform he has to make videos to send out as part of his congressional campaign. Right. But then he goes up there and tells a story about how he paid for an abortion, which I see no problem with. But again, I'm not a Republican primary voter in the most Republican congressional district in the state. At about 11 o'clock that night, Holtorf issued a statement on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> He's 11. I'm, I'm asleep at this point. Like As he issued a statement that no reporter read. <laughs> Because they weren't awake. Quote, my comments today in the House chamber have been gathering a lot of attention in the liberal news media as they spin this story. Unquote. You mean your what is words? There to spin. You literally sat, th- you stood there and said it. There's, this ain't a deep fake, homie. Nine minutes, he talked. <laughs> Nine minutes. He adds in, in this first statement, too, that. By the way, that quote, I voted no on the joint resolution. <laughs> Just to be clear. <laughs> Never mind my speech. I voted no. So here's the thing. A couple weeks ago, I was betting that because the field got so crowded and there were mega freaks like Holtorf and Lynch to an extent and all these people getting in the race, that Bobert's chances were actually diminishing. I have to think that she gained some ground this week. <laughs> Uh, who knows what direction this could all go? The next, the day after that, Holtorf expanded on his statement with more liberal media stuff, blaming Kyle Clark at Nine News and saying, quote, the liberal media has shown their novice bias by deceitfully diving headfirst into the dark depths of lies, unquote. You got to give him credit for the alliteration. That's some sweet concept. It is. Deceitfully diving dark depths. Like, way to go. Put a sentence together, man. Again, diving into your nine-minute speech that's on video that we just played part of. Not only that, Holtorf then posted that video to his congressional campaign website. Well, this the that right. That's why he made the speech so he could produce the video. the The problem is that he went and said that he had done something that is antithetical to the vast majority of Republican primary voters <laughs> in the so fourth congressional district. I mean, Holtorf's House floor speech really was a good example of why it's so critical to protect and preserve abortion rights in this country. Right. But as you said, in a competitive Republican primary in the reddest congressional district in Colorado, his story probably is a campaign ender. And I don't remember if we said this last week or if we said this in the recording that we had to ditch because all these idiots <laughs> did all this crazy shit in between last Thursday and right now. 
But voters in this district are going to be looking for disqualifiers. They're going to be looking for ways to rule candidates out. <laughs> There's a lot of them. I, they're going to have to start looking for reasons to vote for people. Like Jerry Sonnenberg literally should right. just like sit on the farm and do nothing for the next couple of weeks and he'll probably end up rising to the top if he just does nothing because these clowns are going to keep knocking themselves out. Yeah, that would be my advice to anybody considering going to this debate on Thursday. Be sick for all the debates. Don't show up. Don't don't, don't talk. Donald Trump got the nomination without going to a single debate. You can do it too. Don't talk. Don't go. <laughs> don't Well, if you go, just say I'll I'm happy to let my opponents continue. I yield my time to Richard Holtorf. That <laughs> I yield my time to Richard. <laughs> yeah, memorize. Put this phrase on a on an index card and keep it in in the palm of your hand. I yield my time to Richard Holtorf. Let's move on to another congressional district four hopeful. This is the Bo Burt Report. Lauren Boebert keeps finding that moving 400 miles from the western slope to the eastern plains is not something that Republican primary voters apparently find amusing. Last week, former state lawmaker and one-time temporary state treasurer Mark Hillman of Burlington wrote a biting column in the Colorado Springs Gazette titled, No Good Reason for CD4 Voters to Adopt Boebert. We're not in the business of agreeing with Mark Hillman or repeating things from the opinion section of this particular publication, generally speaking. But the guy's got a couple points. And it's a lot of what we've heard from a lot of other Republicans in the district lately, criticizing Boebert for trying to be a celebrity instead of being a public servant, attacking her for carpetbagging. Tearing apart her claim that she moved districts because big money was coming into the third congressional district, which I, I'm glad he pointed that out because I've always found this absurd. Bobert said, you know, there's too much Hollywood money coming into the third district. And that money is going to still that money was anti Bobert. It wasn't like people around the country knowing the district boundaries. And you can tell that that's true because one of the Democrats in the fourth congressional district who runs absolutely no risk of being elected to Congress, let's just be very clear about that, right. is communicating that people should give him money because he's running as Lauren Boebert. And it seems to be working at least to an extent. So the oppositional money follows her, no matter where she is, from a R plus 10, which she was going to lose to Adam Frisch, to an R plus 20 whatever, like people give money to the guy running against Marjorie Taylor Greene too, and she's going to win also. And none of them could tell you where where that district really is no. in in Georgia. No. They just know it's in Georgia. Yeah, some of them probably. Bobert is also not learning still to adjust from her fire breathing national MAGA personality lessons that Ron DeSantis did kind of learn, but. A little too late. We'll get to that in a minute. But doesn't it feel like the impact of the shenanigans are just like blunted now? Like, doesn't it feel like like the outrage machine has run out of gas a little bit on Bobert? Oh, 100%. And 
you know, it was it was clear in that Politico story we discussed a few weeks ago in which constituents in the third district said Boebert was talking about things that weren't relevant to them. On MLK Day, Boebert tweeted something out about wokeism, saying that basically Martin Luther King Jr. was stood for equality, but not equity. And let's end the woke movement in America in honor of MLK Jr., and that's just fucking rage bait. I mean, that the only reason you put that out is because you want a bunch of activists on the left to call you an anti-black racist. Which you are. It's good to call you what you are. So, right. Like, just go right ahead. Poll, we've talked about this before. Polls have consistently shown that wokeism is not a winning message for Republicans, even among other Republicans. People don't care. All you have to do is look at the charred corpse of Ron DeSantis right. to no figure one that out. No one's talking about critical race theory anymore. Or those things. I actually haven't heard that phrase in a really long time. I, I was surprised right. when you just said it right now. I was like, yeah, where's that? Where, where the hell is that? that been? It, that's a perfect example of it. Like, if you're talking about that now, people are like, eh. I think that like the the like litter box bullshit and the like, oh, this is what they always do. They start these culture wars or they try and capitalize on them. They overreach. They end up talking about shit that absolutely nobody understands what the hell they're trying to say. People get confused, scared, kind of roll up their window in the parking lot and then move on with their lives. And then they get bored. Right. <laughs> right. And then well, at some point you like never see a furry in your kid's middle school and you go, well, maybe this is all bullshit and you move on. So let's recap the field quickly in Congressional District 4. You've got the carpet bagging celebrity hopeful and Lauren Boebert. Who's like lost all her luster and then some. Right. But still has money and name ID. But. Like the question about the name ID is if it's the Cory Gardner zone where it's like high name ID, low favorables, gravitational pull toward right. doom. We know you or and we she, don't like you kind of name ID. Exactly. <laughs> or if she still has some purchase within the conservative primary electorate, which like I think she would have beat Jeff Hurd probably in CD3. I don't think the electorate in CD4 is the same kind of Republican. And therefore, I think the host is rejecting the parasite, as it were. I, I will be really interested to see in this debate coming up if Bobert tries a different lane or if it's just same old, same old. She doesn't seem to have another gear no, or another no. tune. So I think this is the song they're going to hear. You've also got the drunk cop racing, gun waving, maybe soon to be former House Minority Leader and Mike Lynch. Like by the time this episode posts, he may have been deposed. We don't right. know. It's happening right. right now. There's Richard Holtorf. Uh, let me tell you about my girlfriend's abortion guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. That's Kyle Clark. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a liberal media that that made me say these things out loud. <laughs> Deborah Flora, the former right-wing radio host who was such a terrible U.S. Senate candidate in 2022 that she couldn't even get her name on the ballot for the primary. The only reason for her to be in this race is if Lauren Boebert weren't in this race. But now that Lauren Boebert is in this race, she has no lane at all. It's just right, outrage running, mom with glasses and like that's all it is. It's just outrage mom. Right. And no real qualifications It's the Sarah Palin yeah. sort of like, I'm mad and therefore you should put me in lots yeah, of power. Sarah Palin, had she never been elected to anything. 
<laughs> right. And, and Deborah Flora will continue to not be elected to anything. Former state senator Ted Harvey, known primarily for running scam packs for many years. And I would bet you almost anything he's the one that got the Lynch police report and yeah, probably dimed it to the Denver Post. I'll bet you anything. That's the that that's the era of politics. Right. This, this is the from. guy who was still running Hillary Clinton scam packs like four years ago. Yeah, like stop Hillary 2020. <laughs> right. No one. There was no go Hillary 2020. <laughs> uh, there's Trent Lisey, the guy who wears a Maggie King hat. And uh, uh, that's it. I think I don't. What else do we know about him? He's also got some pretty like dicey allegations of impropriety. And I'm just going to leave it at that because I don't know any details and I don't want to get us into like a situation right. here. I, I don't even know what he does. What what his background is. I, he gets people I mad. He wears the hat at him on the internet and he calls himself maggot king but there's like 12 other maggot kings so you you wonder if like the headwear is just going to kind of get more outrageous like what like what's the the stage going to look like you have like the guy with the normal maga hat the guy with the vintage maga hat the guy with the crown that just says maga on it i don't know heavy is the red hat there it is <laughs> justin schreiber wouldn't know him if you looked in my window right now and then Jerry Sonnenberg, former state lawmaker, probably still the favorite. We might send a subsidy farmer to Congress for more subsidizing, I guess. I, but as you mentioned earlier, if you're Jerry Sonnenberg, just be quiet and let everyone else destroy themselves. And then you're probably in Congress. Jerry, I don't know if you're a fan of the show or not. It's been a while. But if you still listen or if you do listen... Just take just take it easy, man. Sit back, have a cigarette. Just, <laughs> just let, let it, it happen. happen. You're fine. Just let it happen. The less you say, the better your chances. I promise you. We mentioned in our last episode that we were going to talk about more of a legislative preview. There's still not a lot to talk about, though, because the session has really gotten off to a slow start. There was MLK Day, then the snow day, which was really a it's too damn cold to be in this building day. Then Lynch's DUI arrest. <laughs> then Richard Holtorf's weird speech. This week, Republicans are more focused on maybe or maybe not voting out Mike Lynch. However, once the legislature does really get going, Republicans still say they plan to be as disruptive as possible. Well, they're they're getting off on the right foot. I mean, you got to give them credit. If that's the game they're playing, they are certainly equipped for the dance. Although I don't know that they intended disruption to mean self-immolation like this, but no, maybe. they didn't mean self-destruction. They meant institutional <laughs> destruction. But looks like we might get both. Before the session, Mike Lynch told the press that the Democratic supermajority was "quote unquote" prohibiting the voices of Coloradans from being heard. Unquote. This, it turns out, is so completely not true. The numbers are astounding. The state Democratic Party issued a press release after this, pointing out that in the last three months of the last legislative session, Republicans on the House floor talked for 59% of the time, even though there's only 19 of them. Yeah, 19. What's 19 out of 65? Did we do this math yet? So that's 29% of the members with 59% of the talking time. That's what we call disproportionate. 
And that also really doesn't help your argument that you're being ignored. You're not. 26% of the time was spent by Democrats talking, only 14% on deliberation, process, and reading of bills. That's an efficient legislative chamber. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Republicans are not here to govern. They're here to get in the way of governing. I mean, it should at least be close to proportional. Like they should have 29% of the talking time, maybe 30%. If you want to be generous to your friends in the minority, they most certainly shouldn't have 60%. No. And, and thankfully, I think the media is starting to catch on to this a little bit. And those numbers really jump out. So it's like no one's ignoring you, even though they should be. Even though we very much wish that they would. Although the kind of attention they're drawing to themselves right now, let it rip. This episode has been a little bit of a bummer thus far. And if you're a Republican, particularly. So let's talk about some good news. The economy is really doing well and people are actually feeling it now. We've talked a lot about the disconnect between people thinking the economy wasn't great and the numbers showing that it is historically strong. And that disconnect may be finally reconnecting, I guess. Is that how you say it? I mean, we were saying this last week, but then it happened again this week. The S&P 500 broke an all-time record. Like This is the kind of thing that Donald Trump would... Sorry. This is the kind of thing that Donald Trump would like tweet out. The media would relentlessly report on and say, well, you may be a terrifying, creeping authoritarian fascist, but boy, oh boy, look at that stock market. Joe Biden gets none of the same grace by the fucking way. When Trump, you know, often predicted before the 2020 election that the stock market would crash. If Biden was president and everyone was talking about recessions and you had all these fucking vibes and then you had like real actual inflation that we know comes from like a myriad number of factors and is not pointed to one specific thing of any government or any supply chain or blah, blah. But now that gas I saw under two dollars in Colorado for the first time last week in years, like I saw one ninety nine and nine tenths cent on a station, which is fucking wild. Of course, this is like because of the American oil industry's amazing generosity or because of some other (laughs) fucking external factor. When it's Trump or Republicans, the media relentlessly reports on it. When it's Biden and Democrats, it's some other force. So it's no wonder that when you look at polling, voters are saying they trust Republicans more on the economy, even though the data bears out the exact opposite should be the case literally every four years. But it seems to be shifting according to results from uh, this poll that you hate the name of Axios Vibe Survey by the Harris Poll. I hate it. I don't disagree. I hate it. I hate it. uh, To be fair, the Harris Poll is a good survey conducted by smart researchers that has shown Biden and Democrats struggling for a while. So this is in no way, shape or form like a thumb on the scale, good news for Democrats kind of instrument. This has been pretty gloomy for a while. But what's it showing now with the vibes survey 63 percent of americans rate their current financial situation as being good including 19 percent who say it's very good that's kind of astonishing with all the with with what the the non-poll vibes have been saying so people are starting to realize that oh yeah the economy is good 
66% think that 2024 will be better financially for them than 2023. 77% of Americans are happy with where they're living, including renters, despite housing costs going up recently. And we also have a situation where we're building a historic number of apartments. I think it's like 400,000 new units or something, just like last year or just this year. I I forget the real number. But like those costs are going to start coming down as more supply comes online. So for all the punditry and everything that we talk about and other political folks talk about, if people are happy with the economy next fall, Democrats and Joe Biden are in good shape. So like, here's a not, here's a situation that I would have said is implausible, if not impossible, like six months ago, like in the middle of last year sometime that I think is like increasingly likely and may actually be like highly likely at some point, which is the economy continues to improve. Republicans go ahead and do it. And they nominate Donald Trump to be the president of the United States. Voters on Super Tuesday look around and say, wait, what the fuck? Really? <laughs> it's Biden and Trump again? And then 20% of the voters who have been saying, yeah, I guess I would vote for Donald Trump, go over to Joe Biden and he wins in a fucking landslide. Like I, And then we keep the Senate and then we win the House. Like I never would have said anything like this six months ago. I, uh, you can go back and listen. I was pretty dooming on all the blue team chances across the country. But between the economy, the special election results, Donald Trump being Donald Trump, like things turning around in meaningful ways, and then the vibes finally catching up to the economic indicators, I am starting to feel pretty bullish. I reserve the right to change my mind and become a doomer again any minute, (laughs) and I very well will several times between now and November. But at the moment, this is looking exactly like how Democrats want things to look going into an election cycle. And and like I said, quite simply, if people feel good about the economy, the incumbents do well. That's what happens. Well, okay, that's interesting. So I guess people did not feel so great about the economy in November of 2020 because COVID was still ravaging the country and vaccines were barely getting rolled out and all that kind of stuff. And, And let's face it, Joe Biden won what was mathematically a pretty close election, like a stunning popular vote victory. But a lot of those votes come from blue states, an electoral college victory that really did come down to three or four states. So like, let's not kid ourselves. And this wasn't a landslide. It was decisive. It was obvious, but it wasn't like, you know, 35 states or something. The way things are going right now, all things remaining equal, and there's a lot of variables here. I feel like 2024 is looking pretty good for the blue team. Yep, I agree. And remember, a lot of these shitbags on the website formerly known as Twitter clowned me specifically, but a lot of us in 2022 when we said, Bennett's going to be fine. Pulse is going to win by double digits. Yadira is going to win. Brittany's going to win. We're going to maintain or grow majorities in the state legislature. You had all these professional right winger, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that's exactly what happened. And they all shut the fuck up and went away. It does seem that Trump is well on his way to being the nominee. He won Iowa and then he won Colorado, which is confusing. Because no one voted here except for like (laughs) 60% of the Republican Central Committee or something. And and we know that Dave Williams is running like a ridiculously crooked operation. So the only reason why this happened is so he, he could hopefully get Trump to endorse his fucking congressional race. Right. One day before Iowa, the Colorado Republican Party voted to formally endorse Trump 
as the nominee for president, even though our election isn't until Super Tuesday on March 5th. And even though the Republican Party had charged presidential candidates $40,000 to get their names on the ballot. That check was not refundable. No. How pissed would you be if you're one of, if you're Nikki Haley and like you you wrote that check and then they endorse I mean to be clear, Donald Nikki Trump. Haley is running a some total of like a twenty seven million dollar operation or something insane like that. So I'm not sure I would miss forty grand, but I do think it's scummy. It's important to point out how unusual this is though. You don't parties don't really do this. There's no ballot access fees. People don't do this shit. This is what you do when you're like broke and trying to raise money to pay yourself. What? It's working. And they don't endorse before races. They do you they think don't do that. You could argue that they took a molecule of the forty thousand dollars that Nikki Haley gave them to produce the graphic that announced they were endorsing Donald Trump. Because I hope so. <laughs> that, uh, that would be a great through line. The other reason that uh, Trump is apparently inevitable. Ron DeSantis, Meatball Ron, the Florida governor, dropped out of the race the weekend before the New Hampshire primary. And and like in the most like beta cuck way humanly imaginable, like endorsed the guy who had been dunking on him and calling him Ron DeSanctimonious and like ruining his life and torturing him in the press for weeks and months and months and months. And he just stood up there. And just bent the fucking knee. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. DeSantis maybe was following the lead of former presidential candidate, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, who also endorsed Trump with just a sickening display of obsequiousness. Hello, New Hampshire! Oh, yeah! Let me see. Let me see. Is this Donald Trump country? Oh, yeah! Let me see. I can't hear you. Do you remember how Tim Scott found his way to the United States Senate? Oh, remind me. He was appointed by Nikki Haley. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy who got his job and owes it to the other candidate before the votes were even counted in Iowa bent the knee to Donald Trump. That's <laughs> so good. So the last person standing between Trump and the nomination is Nikki Haley. Who, like, should have had a straightforward path to making this competitive. New Hampshire being where it is in the calendar means that all these moderate, unaffiliated New Englanders who don't like Donald Trump, he lost New Hampshire twice in 2016 and 2020, largely due to independent voters revolting against him. She should have been able to rack up 
a decent, maybe not a win, but like a fifth or a 48% to 52% or something, and then roll that into her home state of South Carolina, which was the next state on the list in the calendar where she was the governor for eight years, appointed the U.S. Senator, the governor, the lieutenant governor, the U.S. Senator, the entire South Carolina political infrastructure this week endorsed Donald Trump. I don't know if she's even going to make it to South Carolina. And frankly, I don't think she deserves it. Here's a good example of of why. This was about a week ago on CNN. This is a trigger warning. This is pretty impossible to listen to. So if this kind of stuff uh, turns your stomach, you might want to skip ahead like 45 seconds. You're the only woman in this race. How do you feel about your party's front runner being held liable for sexual abuse? I mean, first of all, I haven't paid attention to his his cases, and I'm not a lawyer. All I know is that he's innocent until proven guilty, and when he's proven guilty and he's sitting in a courtroom, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You've got investigations on Trump and Biden. But a lot of and- people, forgive me, but a lot of people uh, in the Republican Party blow it all off and say, that it's all a witch hunt, and which is because what I he think says. some of the some of the cases but this have case been political. In particular, this one I haven't looked at, but look, if he's found guilty, then he'll he needs to pay the price. He needs to do what he's supposed to. Every one of these cases, they need to be heard out. He needs to defend himself. If he is found guilty, he's going to pay the price. If he's not found guilty, then we move forward. Wait, it gets worse because she said, "I'm not a lawyer. All I know is he's innocent until proven guilty." He was proven guilty. In the E. Jean Carroll case, decisively $5 million he had to pay. And the court record shows that they found that he committed sexual assault against her. That, this is a judgment. This was not a settlement. I haven't paid attention to his cases. Come on. This is also the Cory Gardner excuse. Well, I just, I don't, I don't read the tweets. I don't pay attention. I don't know what's, of course you <laughs> fucking do. It was in right. your briefing book. You're an alive human being. Never mind all the things he has himself said out loud. Over the years. Remember, this is the same person who recently said and then doubled down on the on the idea that slavery played no part in the Civil War. If you're not willing to even criticize him for this, just fold it up. I, I'm just sickened by the complete lack of courage. Everybody bends the knee. Everybody does it. And she will, too. <laughs> Do a couple of quicker hits, and then we'll roll out of here for the week. Kentucky is a strange place, it seems. Newsweek reported recently that a state representative named Nick Wilson, who apparently won the TV show Survivor in 2018, put forward an amendment to a state law saying that someone who had sex with their first cousin would not be criminally liable for incest. Couple things here. One, read your fucking bills. Just read them. <laughs> you put your name on it. Read them before you introduce them. Yeah, I mean, he later withdrew it and said an error was made, but I don't know that that's an error I think I would ever make. Read your bills before introducing them. This was also like in the first sentence, so it's not like you had to dig. Right. He claims the purpose of the bill was to add sexual contact and not just intercourse to the list of things that define incest. Which, like, laudable goal. But again, read your own bill, dude. How embarrassing. Read your bill. The House Republicans in Congress are, you know, roughly as uh, ridiculous as the ones here in Colorado. 
Mike Johnson can't seem to get his caucus to even pass simple rules. They did finally get a continuing resolution to keep the government funded until March through only because of Democrats. There's a party of governing. There's a party of Trump. Pick one. He also recently torpedoed talks about immigration by saying now is not the time for comprehensive immigration reform because it's past time to secure the border. What? <laughs> this is this is how you know this guy is not serious is because there's a group of Democrats who are more than willing to have a conversation about border security as long as it comes with a pathway to citizenship, immigration reform, that kind of thing. And that's the only way to get anything done in a Congress that's split like this with a Democratic president, Democratic Senate, and a very small Republican majority. So either what he's saying is you have to wait until one party controls all the levers of government in order to get anything done, which I don't think anybody really wants to do and may very well happen one way or the other at the end of this year. What like what happened to like the gang of eight bipartisan sort of like this is a problem for the country that needs solving, not like we it's really hard to avoid the accusation that they are having a good time with a humanitarian crisis on the southern border if they refuse to try and solve it. And the whole idea that we can't do comprehensive immigration reform because we need to secure the border. It's absurd. That's actually part of the negotiation. It needs to be. It's absurd. And 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 it's. The only way this actually gets solved is in a bipartisan way. This is not going to be something that is going to get done like the Affordable Care Act, where like there's not a single Republican vote for it virtually anywhere, right? Republican Senator Lindsey Graham even said out loud, uh, had a message for House Republicans, this is the best deal you're going to get, that we're going to get. Even if it was a Republican president, this was the best deal we're going to get. I don't think it's do perfect, it. by the way, no. but I think... I think that progress needs to be made on this issue. There needs to be serious. It's a crisis down there. You've got the National Guard fighting with the Texas. What are they? Militia down there. I forget what they're called. It's the Texas National Guard fighting with the actual National Guard or something like that. Around like they're, like Greg Abbott is putting up like razor wire. And it's horrific shit going on down there. This is not going to work. Uh, to use a football analogy, Mike Johnson is saying, don't punt as he's punting. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's pretty good. And finally, our gibberish of the week. We've got a couple of them from Donald Trump. Here's Trump from a speech in New Hampshire after winning the Iowa caucus talking about, I, I don't even really know. Nope. But we're also going to place strong protections to stop banks and regulators from trying to debank you from your... You know, your, your political beliefs, what they do, they want to debank you and we're going to debank. Think of this. They want to take away your rights. They want to take away your country. The things you're doing, all electric cars, give me a break. If you want an electric car, good. But they don't go far. They're very expensive. And then later here he is back to insisting that you need identification to buy bread, which is still not true as far as I know. Same day voting and voter ID, right? Voter ID. You don't have voter ID. Why do the Democrats fight voter ID? They have voter ID. They have ID on everything. You buy a loaf of bread, you have ID. Everything to get into a store. But they don't want it for one reason, because they cheat. They want to cheat. And one more for good measure. The potential commander in chief explaining 
missile defense technology. Go, these are not muscle guys here. They're muscle guys up here, right? And they calmly walk to a seat. Ding, 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 ding. They've only got 17 seconds to figure this whole thing out, right? Boom. Okay. Missile launch. Pshing, boom. And this is a guy that should definitely not be president. Please, 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 America, don't, don't do this again. <laughs> I know Joe Biden's a little old, but it's going to be okay. He's not. He's not this guy. And this guy is like deteriorating in place. By the way, you see the thing with his hand and the, and the and the and the like the wounds on his hand when he was waving. Oh yeah, and there there's a theory that he like grabbed a cold pole in Iowa or something. Yeah, like just like ripped his skin off in <laughs> sub twenty three degree weather in Iowa. Get some gloves, bro. Same guy as you've mentioned before who stared at the sun during that eclipse. So it seems plausible. Assuming nothing else happens in the next 24 hours, we're done for this week. The Get More Smarter Podcast is a production of ColoradoPulse.com and The Bighorn Company. Your hosts are me, Ian Silveri, and America's dad, Jason Bay, who somehow figured out how to engineer and produce this thing. Break Master Cylinder made the theme song. Wear your fucking seatbelt. Don't drag race police officers on I-25 when you're two times the legal limit. And get your booster. It's like a seatbelt for your immune system. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you got more smarter, it helps a lot. Find us at GetMoreSmarter.com where you can find out for bonus content in our Substack. And please send all your emails to angryrants at GetMoreSmarter.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. We've been doing this so long now that there are a lot of inside jokes that sometimes I wonder how many people remember them, like the seatbelt thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that was from like last year. That was that's a newer. There was something in Ohio they were trying to like. Yeah, it's like not a primary seatbelt law state, get, right? Yeah, and like, and we were we couldn't believe that you still that that was not a law there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So right. like at the end of every show now, I just tell people to wear their seatbelts. <laughs> We've got a lot of experience in the uh, don't fucking do that realm of advice. You know, we could do an entire podcast of things you shouldn't do at this point. <laughs> Hello, Jason Bean. Jason Bean. Jason Bean. Did you know our sponsors called the Terminator? Did you know our sponsors called the Terminator? You know how we do. Shuckable. <laughs> uh, free drinks in the house.